0: Good morning, Hope Church. Good morning. Everybody good today? Good. Everybody get an extra hour of sleep? Yeah, neither did I. Somebody to- didn't tell my dog to change her clock, you know? 4.15. All right, I'm ready to go. What are you doing? So, uh, but that means that we get an extra hour of preaching then this morning, right? Yeah, maybe not. Well, I'm glad to see everybody here. It's such a beautiful day. It's still summer, right? Or kind of like summer. But, you know, I want to uh, begin this morning by you using your imagination. I want you to imagine for a moment that you have a friend or maybe even a family member. It may even be a family member that you like. There are some of those out there, right? Maybe even love. And this family member, they go to the doctor one day. And they are diagnosed with a terminal disease. Cancer, you know, doesn't really matter what it is. But this disease is going to end their life. It is going to kill them. And then one day, you meet a doctor. And this doctor tells you that he's discovered a cure. And it happens to be the cure that your loved one needs so badly. It's something that will save their life. Would you tell your friend about it? I mean, this is something that can cure them but but maybe, maybe this family member, maybe they're skeptical. Or maybe you can't really explain the cure very well to them. Or maybe they're really sick and they just can't get to this doctor. Here's the question. What would you do to get your loved one to this doctor, to this cure? You know, I can't speak for you, but I would do everything within my power to get them there. And I believe that most of you, if not all of you, would agree and say the same thing. We would do whatever we could to get them there. Pick them up. We'd go pick them up. We'd drive them there. We'd carry them on our backs if we had to. We'd do whatever it takes because we know that this doctor can cure them. That this doctor can save their life. If you're here today and you are a Christian, you know the ultimate spiritual doctor, Jesus. And he has the cure for the sickness that plagues all of mankind, right? The scourge of sin. We have in Jesus the antidote to the death and eternal darkness that we deserve because of our sin. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that can save us and cure us and assure us of eternal life with Him. Is this something that we should share? Well, this is the last week in our Made for Mission series. And friends, I have been praying and I have been praying that we would all come to understand these lessons to be learned from listening to and watching our ultimate example for living. And who is our ultimate example for living? Jesus Christ, right? Over the past five weeks, we've looked at this and we've come to the conclusion that we are all called to mission. We're called to mission with and for Jesus And on that mission, it's our job to continue the work that Jesus began while he was here on earth. And Jesus was about spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was about teaching. He was about making disciples. And it's the love, right? It's the love of God that is poured out on us, that love that was poured out on the cross the love and the mercy that we are to share with our friends, our neighbors, everyone. We share our stories. We share how the grace and the mercy of God has worked in each one of our lives. We've studied Scripture, and we've looked to Jesus' words and His actions to better understand the why and the how of this mission that we're on. And I pray, friends, that it has been impactful for us, and I pray that it has been transformational for us. That's our goal, right? To be transformed by the power and the Word of God. Well, today's message is entitled, Bring Someone With You. And the implications of this may be self-evident. I mean, this makes sense, right, in light of all of that we've been learning. But I want us to dwell on this for a few minutes this morning. And I want you to think about it like this. How many of you know your grandparents' names? Okay, I'm going to assume that everyone knows their parents' names, right? I mean, even if you're adopted, you know your adoptive parents' names, but everyone knows their parents' names. seems like just about everyone knows their grandparents' names. Okay, hands up, hands up if you know your grandparents' names. Now, how many of you know your great-grandparents' names? Okay, a few less. Great-grandparents? Okay, you guys are pretty good but I'm not going to go to great-great-grandparents or great-great-great-grandparents because I'm sure that virtually none of you would remember your great-great-great-grandparents' names. The point is this, okay? Quite honestly, we are only about two decades, maybe one or two generations away from anyone remembering our names And that may seem kind of depressing, right? And lead us to believe that nothing we do here on earth matters. And quite honestly, the earthly consequences of what we do are minimal at best. But friends, the heavenly consequences of our actions will last for all eternity, That's why Jesus told us to store up treasures in heaven, not here on earth. Nothing on this earth is going to last. That's why we can't remember back three, four generations' names in our earthly family tree. But that isn't the case with our spiritual family tree. I'm sure, friends, that when we all get to heaven, you will be able to trace your spiritual family tree backwards and forwards and you will be able to do that for all eternity. Those are things that will not be forgotten. So is this mission important? Is this a big deal? You better believe that it is. And we want to kind of wrap this whole idea of our mission up this morning with one more example from Jesus that helps us to understand the importance and the impact of bringing someone with you on mission. So we're going to look at two stories today. And in these stories, we're going to see our friend Peter. We love Peter, don't we? I I love Peter because I can relate to Peter, right? Peter was impetuous. Peter was very sure of his faith, yet at times he failed, right? Peter was far from perfect, as are we. Yet because Jesus brought Peter along with him and discipled him and taught him and constantly poured himself into Peter, Peter became a giant of the faith. And he went on to share the gospel in amazing ways. And he made disciples. And he taught pretty much what we're called to do. So our first story is found in Luke chapter 8. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8, this particular story is found from between verses 40 to 56, Luke chapter 8. And if you turn to that passage in your Bible, you may notice that this story follows directly after a story that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the fact that Jesus and his disciples, they they crossed the Sea of Galilee, right? They sailed across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus calmed a storm on the way, right? And then they went into this enemy territory, this Gentile territory, and that's where Jesus cast the demons out of this man. And then we start reading here at verse 40. Luke writes, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on the way, the crowds almost crushed him. So it says Jesus returned, right? And what they're talking about is, is, remember Jesus, we just said this, sailed across the Sea of Galilee. Now he's coming back into the, among the Jewish settlements into this kind of more friendly territory. And the people are waiting for him, right? It says they waited for him. They're welcoming him. And then Jesus is approached by this man named Jairus. Now, Jairus was an important man. He was a leader in the synagogue. He was an official, probably in charge of, like, organizing worship services. And he is desperate, right? Because he falls at Jesus' feet. And he begs Jesus. He pleads with Jesus. And what is he begging him for? Healing, right? For his daughter, who's dying. And this was a mob scene, right? It was a mob scene because it says that the crowds were just just crushing Jesus. They 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 were all around him. And then we read on at verse 43. It says, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go In peace. So this is a really crazy scene, right? I mean, there's there's people crushing Jesus on on all sides. He's he's trying to make his way to Jairus' house. And this woman, this woman just just sneaks up behind him and and just and just touches the edge of his robe. And immediately she's healed. The bleeding stops. This 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 affliction that she's had for the last twelve years, it's gone. And friends, that in and of itself is a miracle. But then Jesus says, "Who touched me?" Somebody touched me." And our friend Peter, he jumps in, and, and I can almost kind of, you know picture him kind of rolling his eyes saying, "Ah, uh, Jesus, like everyone's touching you." right?" And then we see Jesus do something quite unexpected. He stops. And he takes time to interact with this woman. And this is not at all what you would expect. Remember last week we talked about the fact that Jesus is always doing the unexpected. Think about it. Jesus is on his way to this very important man's house to, 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 to potentially heal his one and only daughter. But he stops for this, for this woman. And, and what we glean from the story about this woman, there's a number of things. Number one, we know that the woman is poor. It's interesting because the English Standard Version tells us that she had spent all she had on doctors, yet no one could heal her. We know that she was considered socially and ceremonial unclean because of her affliction, because of the bleeding. We also know that anything that she touched would have been considered unclean, Jesus, But Jesus, he takes time. He takes time to call this woman out. And he doesn't do it to embarrass her. He does it to bless her. And he does it to build other people's faith, the people around him, and probably Jairus' faith as well, who's probably standing there going, Come on, come on, let's go. My daughter's dying We're wasting time on this poor woman. Let's move. And then in verse 49, it says, While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. So it, it seems that it's too late, right? It's too late. This, this little girl is dead. And I can imagine how Jairus felt, and probably Peter too. You know, I knew this was taking too long. I knew that we shouldn't have stopped. I knew that he shouldn't have taken time for this woman Now it's too late. But Jesus says, hold on, hold on. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Believe, and she'll be healed. See, Jesus knew that fear and faith do not go together. this is something that we need to learn. Fear and faith do not go together. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Trust Jesus. Place your faith in him. Then in verse 51, it says, When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. So so Jesus finally makes it to the house of Jairus, and he finds the family and the friends, they're, they're weeping, they're mourning, they're wailing because the little girl is dead. And he enters the house and he brings with him Peter, John, and James, and of course the parents. And Luke doesn't really tell us why it was just Peter, John, and James. Maybe it was a small house. But we know that these three became Jesus' closest friends and disciples over time. They were were very often referred to as Jesus' inner circle. But this is the first time that we see them referenced as being that inner circle. But they enter the house, and Jesus says, All right, stop all the crying. You know, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And the people laugh. Several other translations say they ridiculed him. What about the disciples, especially Peter, John, and James? What do you think was going through their head at this time? I'm sure they were nervous. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they sort of let out kind of a nervous chuckle themselves, like, oh, boy, you know, girl's dead. And then Jesus does the impossible. He speaks to this little girl, and by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, she is raised from the dead. What what an incredibly amazing moment. Actually, two miracles within hours of each other. Jesus raises this 12-year-old girl from the dead after having cured the woman who had been afflicted with bleeding for how long? Twelve years. Coincidence? I don't think so. It's 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 amazing that God has been planning these two miracles, this event, this day. He's been planning this for twelve years. Twelve years. Is there a lesson for us here today? A lesson about perseverance and patience. What did this woman do? She persevered. She kept going. What is it that you've been praying for? For a long time, for years, praying maybe for healings, healing? Praying for deliverance, praying for someone else, praying for someone who doesn't know God? Don't give up. Don't stop praying. God has a day appointed when he will answer that prayer. Keep praying and wait on his timing and his answer. It will come. And that is an amazing lesson from this story. But you know, there's something else that, that, that we really want to dig in here. We don't want to miss this. Because I think we need, to, we need to look at the question, Why Peter? Why did Jesus bring Peter along with him into this house? Well, knowing Peter as we do, maybe it was like Jesus like, you know, I got to keep an eye on this guy. Peter, you better come with me, you know. You never know what Peter's going to do or what he's going to say. And remember, Peter had just been questioning Jesus in public just maybe a few minutes before this. You would think that Peter and all of the disciples would have learned by now not to question Jesus. But we know that that they're just not quite getting it yet, right? So why, Peter? Jesus wanted to bring him along to teach him and to disciple him. He wanted Peter to witness the power of God for himself. And and friends, this is a perfect example for us to follow. As we journey through life, as we journey on mission, right? On mission to make disciples and to teach others. We don't do this alone. We do what Jesus did. We bring someone along for the ride. Bring someone with you. All throughout the New Testament, we see example after example of Jesus bringing his disciples, Jesus bringing people, bringing others with him. Jesus brought Peter with him into that house to see the power of God at work. Did that have an effect on Peter? Absolutely. No question about it. And there's another story that we're going to look at that proves it. This other story that we're going to look at is found in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 36. There Luke, also the author of the book of Acts, writes, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time she became sick and died and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. Is this starting to look familiar? Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Again, does that scenario sound at all familiar? It should. It sounds a lot like the story that we looked at before. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that Peter would have done that? Use those exact same words, get up, had he not witnessed what Jesus had done before at the house of Jairus? Probably not. And what about all those people that believed because of it? Would they have believed? No, because they would not have witnessed the power of God at work. Peter did what he did because Jesus brought Peter along with him into the house of Jairus. Friends, the example for us to follow is evident. Bring someone with you. Now, look, I get it. You know, you're not Jesus, you're not Peter, and I realize that people are going to say, I'm not, you know, I'm not going into a, a house, I'm not raising anybody from the dead. I get that. And you may be thinking, you know, I'm not an evangelizer, I'm not a theologian, right? I don't have all the answers. I, I can't talk to Jesus. I talk to people about Jesus. But can you think of a place that you can bring someone with you? A place where they can be taught about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A place where they can be discipled and learn what it means to be a follower. If only such a place existed. Well, it does, friends, right here. Hope Church. You don't need to be an evangelist. You don't need to have all the answers. You don't have to be eloquent with your speech. Just bring someone with you to church. You're coming here anyway. You might as well bring somebody with you. That's part of our mission. As we wrap this, this whole thing up, the last six, seven weeks, all that we've been talking about, the bottom line is this, friends. We are made for Mission, and, and our calling, our calling is so much bigger than our lifetime. Remember, our names are probably not going to last past one or two more generations. And all the things of this world, all the things that we spend so much time stressing about and being anxious about, they won't last either. The only thing that lasts for eternity is the love and the grace of God, and we are called to share that love. It's so important, friends. It is so valuable. So much more valuable than even a cure for a terminal disease. And we'd be willing to share that. Here's the sad truth, though. Studies show that the average churchgoer brings, I'm going to let you guys guess, how many lost souls do you think the average churchgoer brings to church with them? Average. The average is zero. The number is so low that they have to round it down to zero. Another survey shows that only about five out of 100 Christians have ever told even one person about what Jesus has done for them. What does that say about us? What does that say about Christians? It tells me that we, and I include myself in this, friends, we are not doing a great job on mission. Well, we can all bring someone with us. So who is God calling you to share with? Who is God telling you to bring on mission with you? Who in your life doesn't know God? Who will you invite to join us on our mission here at Hope Church? It's what we are called to. Friends, we were made for this mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you, Lord, and we thank you so much for what you've done for us and the love and the mercy and the grace that you pour out We thank you, Lord, that you have called us. You've called us to mission. And Father, we just pray that you would pour out your Spirit and strengthen us. Strengthen us to be the people that you've called us to be. To boldly go forth and share the gospel of Jesus Christ and bring someone with us. Father, hear our prayer, for it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.